Welcome to Weird Games and Weirder People, a podcast about role-playing games and the weird, wonderful people behind them. Hello, weirdos! This is Jogo Nogueira, and today on Weird Games and Weirder People, we have the return of our previous guest, Hodag. Hodag is an artist and uh, RPG designer and really someone passionate about art, about creativity, about comics. And in, in this return episode, we talk about so many things. It's really free for. We talk about anime, we talk about our passions with RPGs, how he changed uh, gears when he started making games and how he sees the difference between games that are really uh, well matured in a lot of mechanics and games that are really more freeform that you can create your own stuff. We talked about our favorite cartoons, our favorite superheroes. Uh, we talked about many things like systems that we, we enjoy or something we find some problems uh, the way we play the game. We talked about the MDA framework and game design. It was really uh, a long chat, a really deep one. We got uh, really profound in some issues. We talked about a little of our childhood and how that affects the, the art that we do. It was really great and I hope you enjoy it as much as we did, so let's get weird with Hodag Part 2. Hello weirdos, it's Diogo Nogueira again and we have uh, Hodag back here with us with a special uh, bonus episode. Uh, so Hodag, how are you doing today my friend? Uh, doing doing good doing good i just uh, <laughs> woke up at the uh the 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 crack of dust to talk to you <laughs> yeah how what time you, is it friend, there yeah. what time uh, is it there for you it's just just after 4 p.m so wow. with the with the time change and we have daylight savings time here in the states so it's like uh you know it's it's getting it's starting to get you know a little a little actually honestly this is the first time in about uh since the time change that i've been awake where there's still been a little light outside so uh, <laughs> thanks for that i guess yeah. but <laughs> yeah 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 well here we are like in the middle of of the spring but it feels like summer like the the thermal sensation yesterday it reached like 54.5 celsius so it's 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 insanely hot here in Brazil, uh, but I, I'm I'm in my oh. room in my air conditioner, and then we're ready to talk weird, and and, and... it's a, it's it's sure. so funny you being in the southern hemisphere because up here in the northern hemisphere where I am, it is a brisk fall day where the leaves are falling and there's uh, uh, definitely going to be a hot a hot cup of coffee and uh, maybe some footy pajamas uh, in my. Uh, <laughs> yeah. before i need to start my process for the day so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, Drink, yeah drinking I, I like coffee but like drinking hot coffee in this in this warmth is is, is like self-torture or something uh, yeah so, oh yeah no during the summer yeah. i drink coffee during the summer but like i definitely you know like it chilled or cooled and yeah so a lot of times yeah. you know i'll take coffee and i'll um we have these uh uh, these cups, these insulated thermal, you know, mug. Uh, yeah. I don't know how you describe them. They're sort of metal and yeah. they have a plastic lid on the top, like a tumbler. And basically uh, I'll fill those up at night. Uh, and, uh, and then, and then in the morning I'll add my special, you know, uh, sugar-free creamers or whatever, you know? So 
Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, 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 it's, it's during the winter. I do enjoy having, uh, you know, a, a hot cup of Joe, uh, <laughs> to start yeah. the day. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, here now I'm, I'm trying something with like, I said, I said latte coffee and drinking coffee with orange juice. It's, it's quite nice. Like you put ice, orange juice and coffee. And it's a nice mixture, like a tropical kind of coffee. And I like orange juice too. So, yeah. And, and are you and um, are you a uh, are you a pulp guy or a no pulp guy? Do you do you like pulp in your orange juice or no? I like it. It's well, it's, yeah. if it's like made uh, with real, like if you see people with the the, the orange they're doing, I like pulp. It's no, it it has the fibers. All, all the good stuff is in the pulp, right? I don't know. That's what yeah, I think. Yeah, well, I, I think I think true, so. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's been many years since I've drank orange juice, but when I used to drink orange juice, I was a pulp guy. Um, yeah. And then it's too sugary for me now. My doctor said, "Yeah, no," and I said, "Okay." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's it's almost like drink Coke, like Coca Cola. It's almost almost yeah. the same. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there is one so, here that we buy from from this this place that they they do it uh, at the time you buy it and it's so fresh, it's so good, and we we end up buying like every week like two two to three liters of this. So <laughs> yeah, I, I need to reduce liters. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we use yeah. liters here, like we we're, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we I'm use on, meters, I'm on, I'm on. liters. Yeah, all, all that's all that's. I'm on a, yeah. I'm on Imperial, buddy. I don't know what that is. So yeah, you're gonna have yeah. to break that down into gallons for me, because I'm, you know, an American. We don't. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. Uh, us outside of the U.S. because U.S. is basically uh, the standard of RPGs and language that we have to write yeah. to. Uh, but we from Brazil and probably from everybody everybody else when they they're writing their games. And especially OSR stuff because it's feet, 30 feet, 10 feet, and stuff. So we have to make all these conversions when we're writing stuff because we're thinking meters, but we have to write in feet and then in pounds, we're thinking kilograms. And and and, it, and it's weird. But I, I noticed in some sci fi RPGs, uh, they use meters, they use kilograms. Like in, I think Trevor used yeah. the metric system, right? Uh, do you um, have any a, any difficulty leading with with the metric system in RPGs that use it? Oh yeah, I hate it. I hate um the, my <laughs> beloved Star Wars, my beloved Star Wars, my the my, the the my first fandom, my my first uh, love in life, uh, as far as you know, uh, uh, having you know uh, that that deep fandom uh, betrayed me. Because all of their Star Wars role-playing games are all in meters and kilometers and having to figure out, you know, it's like, oh, well, this person is, you know, I think they, they started using squares because when I, when I started playing, they were doing the D20 um, oh, yeah. conversion. Saga yeah, so yeah. It was, yeah uh, well, no, the original, I had the original thin book okay. and then I also have the revised. I don't have the Saga edition. I never played the Saga edition. <laughs> Yeah, Everyone's that's what I did too. It. I yeah. did it. I did the Everyone... original, they revised it, and then when it came Saga, I said, "Fuck this! You're releasing a new game every movie." Yeah, fuck you. Which I should right? have. I those those go for like three trillion dollars now, like on yeah. the secondary market. Like if you got the Saga edition yeah. book, especially I got the nice Saga afterwards. But yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah. It... Well, there, it's worth it's worth uh, big bucks now. 
Yeah. But I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, well, do you have any it. difficulties when you play this? How do you have to convert? I mean, I, no, on, because on the, the, way I, the way I, the way I GM is very loosey goosey. So I just kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, be like, okay, I'm not going to sit there and figure out meters. And also, too, if we're yeah. doing space battle, I'm not going to figure out pitch yeah. and yaw and whatever else. You know, it's going to be like, all right, you got two Tie Fighters on your flank. Uh, go ahead and make a you know dodge roll, and you know we'll see it. Um, one one time. I couldn't, I like, I just, I'll make up little systems at my table as you know, I'm, I've always been creating. That's the reason it was so easy for me to kind of like step into the, not to be a, a brag guy, you know, to just be a braggart or something like that. But, um, the, uh, uh, at the table, I was always making up little mini games on the fly. Like we had this one, we were playing this, um, star Wars game that I made, uh, shortly before I was like late 2019, um, so, uh, it was one of the last games that I played in person before the pandemic, but it was, uh, uh, a, I basically set out six, um, D twenties. And then what I did was I had, I, I set out six D twenties. I had the player set up six D twenties and the players were trying to have their ship jump away, uh, via, uh, hyper jump. So I said, I'm going to, we're just going to do straight rolls for the, for the thing. because the system that I had devised. I hadn't figured out, you know, Oh, this is a bulk cruiser. It's got a plus four or whatever, you know? So I said, here's, it's just going to be narrative. Um, each time that I, you know, we'll re-roll the dice. I'm going to try to catch up to you. So basically I'll roll a dice, you roll a dice. And if you beat me, however, you write down how much you beat me by. And if you get up to a certain point, I think it was 10 or, 15 if you can get up to 15 then i can't catch you and of course the first you know two rolls i roll are are two threes and uh the player rolled two you know like two high numbers and so they they beat it in like three rolls and they were able to get away really quickly but after the session was over everybody was like oh that was so cool i've never seen that in rtg before like where did you come up with that like i really like that And so it was just kind of like, uh, but yeah, I don't know. People need to get more creative at their tables, I guess, or, or, you know, um, not that they aren't already, but like, you know, I think that like, I see a lot of, uh, 5e people and a lot of people that are newer to the hobby that got brought in through fifth edition and stuff like that. They don't kind of realize that you can just, you can do whatever you want at the table. You don't even have to look at the books if you don't want to, you know, you can, you should, uh yeah. sometimes you know but like uh as long as you're and also too, maybe that that's privilege that comes with you know being a gm at this point for almost a decade and a half or you know having been role-playing for a decade and a half like you just know that you can just do whatever you want you know but um i forgot yeah. what we were talking about so i went on a whole big <laughs> tangent there yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's it's a cool tangent it's it's a theme i like to talk a lot about Uh, it it kind of brings back memories of D and D fourth edition, and and I think I think it has to do with experience too, but I think it it also has to do with the system and how the game is presented to the players, because you take for example D and D fourth edition when you have this huge character sheet, you have the attributes, you have skills, you have all this myriad of powers, so you have a lot a lot going on in your character sheet. You have a lot of options, a lot of buttons to push. So if you have a lot of buttons to push, you, you, there isn't much uh, encouragement for you to seek out solutions outside of your character sheet. 
So if a character sheet offers you so much stuff that in most of the stuff end up solving your problems, yeah, I think players uh, are not encouraged to to think outside of of these ready-made solutions. I think it's the same way with with battle, uh, virtual tabletops or, or battle maps. Uh, I, I love Fever of the Minds, but I I see the value too of of maps and miniatures. It's so beautiful. Uh, you can really uh, the tactical elements and, uh, of 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 the technology elements touching this piece is very cool. But when you have everything in front of you, like you, you see the setting, you see the characters, you see everything in that scene, you, I think players uh, don't think much more uh, beyond what they see. So if they're in a, in a tavern and they don't see uh, a bottle on the table they're fighting, they won't think about grabbing the bottle and smashing um, on an enemy's head. So I think when, when we, we give it too much to the players, and they can have a lot to choose from and they all in front of their eyes and don't have to imagine very much, I think they tend to limit the options they, they try to do. What do you think about that? Well, I think, yeah, I, I started I started during the third edition of, of, of role-playing, you know, the Y2K era. So with, with third edition, and in third edition Dungeons & Dragons, you have a lot of stuff on your character sheet, too much stuff yeah. on your character sheet. You have speeds, skills, your base stats uh you have uh the weapons yeah. with base attack bonus and you have to there's a lot of crunch that you have to figure out immediately but one thing i did like about it was while you were pouring through those feats and and skills you were looking at what your character could do and it was like um i always remember choosing i always built really underpowered characters because i wanted to do something that was cool and different so it was always like in the name of uh, in in third edition, the name of the game was uh, stack up as many feats and skills as possible. That way, yeah. you can have the highest bonus to do whatever. Um, yeah, which I remember that. I, yeah, I'm making yeah, I'm making a game called Twenty Day where I'm taking that sort of idea, um, but it's less like feats don't give you. It's not like a stack. Like the highest you can have is plus five on anything, yeah. and the goal is not to get like you know to have these massive pluses but to to get more well-rounded as time goes on because you're doing more and more things so you're adding more and more pluses as time goes on but like the cap is so short the plus five that you're actually going through and getting yeah. better at a bunch of stuff instead of like just really focusing and honing in on getting such high stacking numbers in one or two things. But I, I really, I really did like the, 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 the feats and the skills because it made those characters feel unique and everybody at the table could have a completely different set of abilities, could have a completely different set of whatever, because, you know, everybody was, you know, kind of stacked up, but magic in Dungeons and Dragons is broken. That's a, a tangent that we can get into later. You choose. Um, but like the, uh, I always play non-magical characters for the most part, fighters and barbarians, and you know, uh, I, I a lot of times I'll play clerics or druids. Um, but and sometimes I, I I used to love to play bards, but I would always I would never use my magic stuff um, because I just I always view bards as non-magical, and whenever I make games, bards are always like entertainers are always non-magical because I just don't see a lot of value in that. I like them more as part of the rogue class. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's always interesting to see how people kind of get 
sidelined when they first start playing role-playing games. And a lot of times if you're playing something like Dungeons and Dragons, I don't know. I'm, I'm also very traditional, like I said in my the previous episode, though. I do believe that it is good to start with D&D, but then you, you absolutely, after that point, you you should branch out as far and as wide as you possibly can because it's like <laughs> there's that quintessential experience of you know you know the and it doesn't have to be branded as the indie it could be osc it could be um you know uh, uh any sort of permutation of such uh uh for dungeons and dragons third edition or any of the copy you know sort of blue home or any any of those any of those books any of those, but like having that sort of like fantasy Dungeons and Dragons experience and then branching out from there to kind of see what's open in the wild world. So, you know, you can get into story games, or you can go get into, when I was a kid, it was, everything was very technical, you know? So there was like a lot of these big codexes and books or whatever, and you'd have to go and, you know, now it's like you can get a zine game and you can download it to your, to your computer and print it off. But like when I was, when I was younger, you know, this is uh, yeah. <laughs> tying the onion to my belt as was the style at the time to quote grandpa Simpson. But um, the, yeah, it was, it was, we would have to do, we'd have to go, if you wanted a new role-playing game, you'd have to go and drop 50 bucks. Like that was our, you know, between 30 and 50 bucks basically to get a big codex for, you know, Alternity or D20 Modern or, you know, it's a Star Wars role-playing game or uh, something like Hackmaster or whatever, whatever else was out in the, in, in the world back then, you know, um, there was a ton of games that I would love to play. I actually had the Dragon Ball Z, uh, the Artelsorian games, Dragon Ball Z anime exchange game. And yeah, that was awesome, yeah. but it, yeah, Fusion, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you ever play that, or did you ever look at it? Yeah, yeah, because they had they had a record of Lodos War Fusion RPG, and and was oh. at that time I was really into record of Lodos War. I, I like a Dragon Ball, but I we played Dragon Ball with, with a Brazilian system that that's kind of for me it's kind of perfect for anime. It's very simple, very streamlined. It's called uh, Tokyo Defenders or Defensores de Tokyo, as we call here in Brazil. Uh, and and initially that game was kind of a parody of of anime and and, and <laughs> you know Power Rangers kind of series, you know? but it kind of evolved yeah. to its own thing, and then people take it serious now. And there's actually a new <laughs> edition coming, uh, being released this year, and and, and they really uh, went big on the on the on the uh, crowdfunding. I'm excited to see what they come up. But yeah, Fusion, I I, I had it because of Record of Lotus War. Do, do you know Record uh, of Lotus War? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, it's... Um, it's I've, uh, I've, I've, I've heard... I've, I've, yeah. heard I, I've heard of it, certainly, but um, I never got into... I'm not an anime guy. Um, I've Me seen, either. I mean, I've seen enough, you know? Um, yeah. I've seen, you know, I've, I've, I've opened my... Um, yeah, I've opened my my mind to that. It's yeah. basically yeah. I'm not really a big anime guy. I was more like when I was a teenager or something. Then I went to art school, and I had a a really fantastic teacher, a professor uh, that I call master until today. <laughs> like <laughs> like he's my my Sith Lord or something. Uh, yeah, your, sen your sensei. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's he's a fantastic teacher, a uh, very wise. Uh, he would 
pass on any knowledge he had without you know holding anything back is really fantastic but he he really hated uh anime mangas and stuff he uh was really more into like classic art and stuff and he knows a lot about art like he knows a lot and he pointed me to great artists like no artists he knows a lot of stuff but he would say like uh anime and manga it's kind of pedophilia because it always has this you know this scenes that they show the you know the underwear they, they always have this small sex sensual sexual things happening with with characters uh, that are basically kids and stuff so and 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 and, and it's part of their kind of their culture their magazines they explore this kind of weird stuff so yeah so i was yeah i remember uh put when i was a kid it. yeah dragon ball my friends are always telling me about dragon ball how they changed a lot of the stuff to take out some of the more um risque elements of the uh of of the of the thing but oh, yeah yeah I, um, yeah 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 they they changed i think like a like a pair of women's underwear to yeah, yeah. dollar bills yeah. and um, that was the most there was a a small pig character named oolong um who was uh part of their journey and he was you know kind of a leisure suit larry type <laughs> so if i recall correctly it's been many many years at this point but yeah i mean yeah i don't know um i was always more of a western animation fan so you know um obviously when i was growing up like uh a lot of you know being a superhero fan from you know a very early age uh when what, batman what would it be? series came out and x-men your what? favorite cartoon series like yeah well batman animated series it's it's incredible good so yeah That's oh, one. Yeah. What would be like your favorite ones since you enjoy more uh western um, animation stuff? I I would say that probably I mean honestly like Justice League Justice League Unlimited was like the pinnacle for me um when that came out and I was like Justice League came out in I think 01 just as I was starting high school like uh, uh maybe 2000 or 2001 and uh during that year and then by the time that I was finishing high school they had worked their way all the way up through justice league unlimited and that had all of the you know it had a lot more of the superheroes and really kind of like rewarding uh people that were like comics fans or superhero fans with a lot of like oh you know that's the original vigilante oh that's shining knight they did a whole episode with like the seven soldiers of victory or you know they did a <laughs> um, nice, nice. it was a very deep yeah. deep cut so yeah i mean i was i was huge into that um Growing up, I mean, I don't know, you know, Batman Beyond, Batman, Superman the Animated Series, I always really loved because it had such a, it was a much lighter tone, you know, than the Batman was like, you know, him agonizing. And, you know, it was for kids, but it really allowed kids to have access to maybe deeper emotions um, than, you know, I think I learned a lot about my own emotional states from watching Batman because, you know, they would have these very you know i mean it was very kid appropriate but it was like these like melodramas basically where you know you would you would have access to those deep deep emotions of grief or sadness or shock or surprise yeah. or whatever and it was able you were i think you were able to really you know and they would talk about them and over the course of the series so that was very good um but yeah i mean i don't know i, I watched a lot of like uh you know kids adventure stuff i remember there was a uh I think I was a little old for it when it came out. Like I was just on the cusp of being kind of too old for it, but that's never stopped me 
at all for you know uh, pokemon came around when i was oh, yeah. like, technically too old for it and then i got really into pokemon blue <laughs> but, yeah i did too um, and, of and course. Yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah well it's like it's cool yeah. pokemon is cool yeah, yeah. um and well, i i hate to be the, the old guy who's like i don't know any of the new pokemon but after the original yeah. you know 151 kanto version i just i'm yeah. like okay it's a dog with a spike on its head cool i mean but like i i i like those this original creatures a lot so yeah. i have a very big affinity for <laughs> yeah. the, uh, well, the old ones yeah yeah well i asked kelsey dion so i'm gonna ask you if you if you had to choose bubasar squirtle or or charmander so um i i used to as a child always choose uh squirtle um because war turtle war turtle is my favorite pokemon the second evolution of squirtle um he's got the wings on his head that always kind of remind me of like jay garrick the flash um also too it's just a good design i don't know i just there's something really stinky looking about this little turtle guy i got really excited about war turtle yeah so that's you know that's great and then um the uh uh but uh the sunglasses, I, as an adult yeah. the, squirtle yeah, the sunglasses. Turtle, it's squad. Yeah, squirtle yeah, squad yeah, yeah. that's um, why i like so good squirtle yeah yeah because they're cool they're cool yeah um but yeah i um as an as an adult when i went back to it and i started playing those games over again i'm pretty much always uh a uh bulbasaur main um just because i don't know there's stinky little you know vegetable cat guys and that's pretty cool to me and also yeah. i just kind of like the uh their progression through venusaur and um what's the the big one what's the the ultimate evolution yeah. It's uh, Bulbasaur, Venusaur, and then I, I forget what the last one is. Yeah. So, so the people are screaming at their podcast right now, being like, "It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> it's too many names." Yeah, yeah, I mean, but... yeah, it's too many yeah, names. Yeah, like, yeah. Who is this Pokemon? Well, yeah, it's too many. And the new ones, and you started learning the new ones because my kid is always watching. He loves Pokemon, and and and, <laughs> and I wish Nintendo would 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 translate the games to Portuguese because we have oh, that Nintendo would be Switch. Nice. Yeah. But it's only in English. They have all all bunch of languages, but not Portuguese. So, yeah. I um, that's um, you'd think that that's kind of a a big misstep yeah. on their part, you know. But yeah. Brazil um, is, is a big matter. I mean, Portugal is nothing. I mean, as marketing, but as as a market, it's small. But Brazil is is gigantic. But yeah, yeah. But but we, <laughs> but Brazilians, uh, they pirate everything. So that's probably why. <laughs> they are not translated. <laughs> yeah, you have to hack it, I guess, or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, you know, if they're if they're not going to make it themselves, you know, that's you know, well, you got to have that. Uh, take that into consideration. If you're not going to yeah. give the people what they need, that's the reason I always yeah. have like, uh, you know, I don't know, stuff in my games where I'm like, uh, you know, feel free to like, you know, I always used to put in my one page games and. Um, you know, Hodag is 100% free. It's, you know, I always say yeah. it's considered to be in the, in the public domain. So, um, but the, uh, uh, I, you know, I was like, feel free to hack, remix, whatever. So I don't know what the legality is, but wherever you are, feel free to do it. I guarantee you, I will not sue you. So <laughs> you have part yeah. launch for my, you can bring this up in court. You can play this audio. Uh, I will not, I will not sue if you want to <laughs> use my games and translate yeah. them or, you know, whatever, or even just print them off and sell them yourself. You know what I mean? Like everybody wins mm. at that point, you know? <laughs> yeah, or, or, 
<laughs> bring them out and, and hand them to people at comms and stuff. That, that yeah, yeah. Great, well, yeah. I mean, it's um, I do a lot of home printing, so um, and and stuff. So I've got like a bunch of um, beneath the dungeon floor that I printed off with some weird stuff, and I did uh, oh, yeah. recently. I did a, a quest for Mount Fair Sword, which is sort of a hack of Escape the Hyper Trench that I did. That's a fantasy hack. Um, nice. And so I've been printing those off kind of using different printing methods and oh. getting weird with it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah. For Hodag, I think you'd have to, I'd have to go to, I couldn't print that off at home. I'd have to go to a, a larger printer. because It's a lot of yeah. pages. So, but yeah. Hodag, you, you seem very into superheroes, especially DC. Uh, where did you play DC superheroes RPGs? Do you like superhero RPGs and, Did, have I, you ever wanted to make one? I've 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 bought many superhero RPGs over the over the course of the years. I have uh, I had the DC Adventures when that came out. I had um, the which was I think a Mutants and Masterminds kind of uh, hack. I had Mutants and Masterminds, um, and then I have uh, I mean literally I think in 2020 I just bought like all, up all of the. Uh, old phase rip stuff that I possibly could. I have yet to play a superhero RPG. I've made several, um, but I just have I I have not been able to play a superhero oh. RPG um, because every single time that I try to set one up or get one going or something like that, I haven't been able to. Uh, uh, Alan Barr's uh, Gallant Knight Games. Uh, Super uh, D6 Super Tiny D6 Supers, Supers. Tiny yes, Supers, Tiny yeah. Supers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, I don't know why my brain was blanking on that. Um, he was kind enough to send me a copy, and I'm loving that. Um, in fact, I did, I just did a bunch yeah. of yeah, I just did a bunch of sketch cards, and so I'm gonna probably stat those out. And he gave me his, his blessing to distribute those with little write ups on the back. Um, but yeah, I have, I have yet to play a superhero game. I don't know what it is where I just can't ever, every single time that I plan one or get one going. Um, but I think that it's like, that's one of the hardest genres to kind of, you know, go. Yeah. People speak highly of masks, uh, but I hate PBTA. I don't like that system. <laughs> And so uh, the uh, I had a, a couple of bad experiences with Dungeon World and um me, a few me too. Uh, i played power <laughs> me too. yeah I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well the problem okay so here's yeah. oh go ahead go ahead no no, no have, you were gonna say something i have a, i have a joke that i say here in brazil it's i mean it's okay for us to like different things i have nothing against but it's, a, it's not something that i enjoy especially because what i'm about to say you reference stuff that i said before i feel like pbta is for me it seems like D&D &D for tradition without the grids. You have all these moves, yeah. which are the powers. So you have all this ready-made stuff. So you don't have to think too much outside the box because all the solution is out there. There's have to click it. So uh, for me, that's my, my grief with PBTA. It's, it's the moves. Everybody, everything has a move and you have to look at this, this move. So it seems like there's a lot of rules. Not a lot of rules, just one rule, like roll the dice and look at the move. But you have to consult too many stuff to to play, and it for me it feels like reading the powers from D and D fourth edition, but just without the grid, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally see that, and uh, I agree with you. I uh, my my main issue with it, which is you know I can sit through a bad mechanics system, you know I can play through 
you know, like I said, I played that Artelsorian uh, Dragon Ball Z game, and that is just impenetrable from many aspects. Um, but, you know, I think we've all played role-playing games that have funky mechanics. I've played GURPS Traveler. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm used to very... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, my problem with the Powered by the Apocalypse and Dungeon World and things of that nature is um, it comes from this, and I, I think that this is my most controversial sort of take and stance, but players shouldn't have agency, characters should. And I feel like the, or, uh, well, players should have agency. Let me, let me walk that back real quick because uh, that's wrong. Uh, that was a miss. That was a misspeak. But um, <laughs> the uh, 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 player should have agency and protections at the table, right? For things, elements that they don't want to thing. Like I'm a big uh, believer in, um, you know, safety tools. Usually, the safety tools, though, I think should be talked about in like a session zero when you're starting the campaign up, and you say, "Hey, listen, here's what I'm planning. Here's the things, the elements that I'm I'm thinking about, including." Does anyone have a problem yeah. with this? I can amend to a certain point or whatever. But I think the best safety tools are the ones that are made up at the table themselves by the people playing. That way, because, you know, if you're playing with a certain group of people and it's going to be like you've been playing with them for 15 years, something might have changed. So you want to make sure that you're giving them the option to opt out of whatever. But also, yeah. too, if you know them and you've played with them for a long time, you're going to have a much deeper level of trust and a bond with them that maybe you know you wouldn't play with somebody at a um convention game or something along those lines so it's you know it's one of those things where it's like that's very important and i, I think yeah. that players players should have uh, agency as far as you know being able to do a little bit of like you know give give your players a firm foundation and allow them to push back against the sort of uh you know uh rules should be flexible and be able to bend um, if you're breaking rules, that's a, that's a problem. But I, I'm a world builder GM, like I said in the last episode, and I don't like the idea of in dungeon world, it's like, oh, you're the cleric. You tell me how all the religions work in the world. That's not going to work for me. I am. Yeah. I have a very specific idea of the world that I've crafted um, and not that I'm lore dumping or anything else. I, I like to work off what I call the implied setting. Like when I, when I used to play third edition, I, um, there was this, just, you would read those books and you'd look at the aesthetic of the art and you'd look at the different, you know, these are the deities that are available. Here's how, you know, um, you'd read the book and you get a feel for how the universe worked, how the cosmology worked, uh, you know, uh, not, not, you know, yeah. uh, just like the planes and everything else. Cause like, I, I never messed around with the planner stuff when I was jamming, but like, you know, the, the cosmology of just how yeah, the, magic the items, world works. The gods, mm. the magic items, the items, they all inform the type of word or anything like the description of the monster. So you assume yes, these things yes, exist. Exactly. Yes. And when a player has the ability to shape that and warp that, uh to their own whims I, i'm like this is this is not good for me this is not like uh what i would like to do because it's you know as a world builder gm i i already have answers for all of that i already have <laughs> i built it out so you would be able to have that exploration of the world and if some if everybody at the everybody at the table is not on the same page uh it's it's really going to and finding four or six people or however many 
that are all on the same page about stuff, you know, it's going to be very hard. So I think that like, you know, I think there was an old Facebook group called uh, how dare this group have rules. And uh, one of my favorite jokes is how dare this game have rules. Uh, where, mm-hmm. <laughs> where it was like, you know, you get we've all played with people where it's like, I can't believe that you would not allow me to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, listen, we're all doing a shared delusion here that is generated by dice. Everybody needs to be somewhat on the same page. But when when you give people those tools, when you give people those 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 boundaries, they're able to build something within the confines of those boundaries. A lot of people, that's very liberating for people. And it's liberating for me as a player. If I know my boundaries, I'm going to test those boundaries as much as possible. But I want to collaborate. I want to make the game happen in a way that is is, is exciting for everybody um, and make sure that I'm not doing more than my part, but I'm always doing up to my part uh, of the sort of social contract at the table. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I would, I yeah. would, I would try masks maybe uh, as a player. I don't think I could run it as a GM, but yeah, I, uh, I, I have yet to uh, actually play yeah. any superhero. Uh, that was a long tangent for a very simple question. <laughs> yeah. I apologize, Diogo. <laughs> but it's something I, I kind of want to get back to as, as you're saying, like this is not something for you. Like you, you're not very fond of uh, share the narrative where the players get to to build something in your world like because you have this idea that you already has the idea of the world uh and then that's sort of fine that's uh i don't know have you ever heard about the mda framework which is no. like uh it's mechanics dynamics and aesthetic it's kind of a way to see game design and then there's different aesthetics of fun and things people look for in the games and one of them uh is discovery so Uh, if you're a player, you're not doing shared narrative. It's it's fun for some players really like discovering things, discovering the world the the GM or the referee has created. So they don't want to they don't want to collaborate and create their own stuff. They want to discover it little by little. That's something you probably enjoy as a player, or something that you want the players in your game to enjoy. Uh, but there is also another set called expression that people expressing their own creativity. So if it's for player, it's important that that aesthetic. Some player, some games will will cater to that to that need to that want, and will let players create collaboratively. You know, I think that's just different uh, aspects of gameplay that you can explore in different games. I confess, I really like uh, shared narrative stuff. Uh, As as you were telling about D and D, uh, D third edition that you, you like without the feats, you like customization of the character, and I kind of like that too. Like if you see uh, my games and, and and especially now Primal Quest and my recent games, they have all these tags and kind of aspects that you the player can create themselves, but they function like fate aspects, which give you advantages and stuff. So it's kind of like feat, but it's more way more open ended. So you don't have like a list; you create your own. And they can create elements of the game. So if they say they're like, "Oh, I'm a warrior from the Red Bear tribe," so they establish there's a Red Red Bear tribe, and we work with it together. I think it's just a different way to approach. Maybe you you can design a world with a lot of open space. So you design the main themes, the main regions, main factions, but there's a lot a lot a lot of it you don't know, and the players can insert this if that's important for them. But I, I, it's just yes. a different thing. But yeah, I, un- I understand the sentiment in it, and I know 
uh, how people can enjoy different things. And if you'd like, I can send you links to the MDA stuff. It's very cool. Like you, you have this more notion, things you can focus and, and not. And you understand a little bit more why some games are not for you because they they cater to aesthetics of fun that you don't really care much about, you know? Yeah. Um, I <laughs> Well, as a jack of the RPG world, uh, uh, reading another <laughs> game? No, thank you. I only make them. Uh, no, oh, okay. uh, no, please. No, 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 that's please, not another game. That's me. that's like a, a game design kind of. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I, I was, I was, I was doing a bit. So, but yeah. uh, no, <laughs> uh, me commit too hard to the bit. No way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. But yeah. No. 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 Please, please do send me that. I would love to. I would love to read it. Um, yeah. But I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, put, I'll remember to put the links to the show notes. I think everybody can 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 benefit from it. It's it's a really nice way. And and they try to explain how the mechanics of the game create dynamics and these dynamics favor some type of some aesthetic. So uh, for them, they, they list like basic eight ones with this sensation, which would be like the tactical things like using different dice, like this is RPG. They cater to the sensation aesthetic because they make weird new dice you can touch and can see and can play. Games use miniature cater to this sensation too. There's obviously fantasy, imaginary world, things that are different, they're not real. Uh, the narrative aspect, people to create stories and stuff. There is also the aesthetic of challenge. So OSR play really caters to that. We want games that are hard to beat, uh, that you just you can just beat everything, just kill everyone, and it's done. So games that offer really challenging obstacles. So that's one of aesthetic. Another one is fellowship. So I think that one is is almost universal for RPGs. We all like to play, uh, uh, not for solo games, but. Uh, Normal traditional RPGs, we all uh, seek this this fellowship. Our friends create something together and and build something that we wouldn't be able to build by ourselves. There's the one that I said, expression for you to express your own creativity, create stuff, create characters, places, and etc. And submission, which is basically I just want to get here and kill things. You know, so that can be the two like hack and slash games or like because it's not only for RPGs, games in general, like. I play Minecraft Dungeon with my kid, and, and it's fun. You just go there and, and kill things. You don't have to think uh, very much, and it's just like uh, you let go, you know. So yeah. once you're aware oh, of who all this... Who Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, who doesn't like, you know, walking into uh, Grand Theft Auto and just going wild for a little yeah. while, you know? Yeah. Just, you and know, for... I mean, you know, it's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. Just forget your troubles, go there and just uh, lose yourself in, in, in the game. That's that's basically it. Uh, it's, yeah. It's a cool yeah well, I mean, that's, that's the reason we play, right? Is to, yeah. you know, there's a lot of different things that games can do. They can provide therapeutic experiences. Yeah. They can provide, um, but it's also too just like a stress reliever where it's yeah. like, you know, um, you, know you, you uh, get to inhabit someone else and you might get to play around with ideas uh, about yourself that you normally wouldn't express. So I know a lot of people, you know, have had uh, their first experiences with like, you know, gender euphoria, playing a different character of a different gender or uh, oh. playing a character that is more physically able or a character that is, you know, uh, uh, less physically able and starting to develop empathy through play, you know, for maybe, you know, I'm playing a character and, you know, maybe not necessarily, you know, if you play a character of a different gender, 
that, you know, can be an experience for you, or it can not be You're Just, I would like yeah. to play as a character. Cause you know, when you play a female video game character or, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of binaries when I was coming up, uh, where it was like, you know, you had one option, maybe two options as far yeah. as gender went. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, especially with role-playing games and stuff, that I think that's been kind of interesting. But, um, you know, yeah. I, I think that it's very important to kind of like, you can look at those things. But ultimately, you know, whether you're a storyteller gamer or a simulationist gamer or whatever it is, as long as you're at the table and having fun, it doesn't really matter what those things are. But then you have to figure out, do I like this, right? Do I like this simulationist? Yeah. Do I like, do I want to figure out how many torches I have or how much gold I yeah. can carry or how much, you know, X, Y, and Z, or I do I want to be like a hand wave that and just be like, well, you know, I, I don't necessarily, we can do a more story based uh, thing. And, you know, as always, normally a hybrid is going to be the right answer, you know, of all, yeah. <laughs> of all that stuff. Right. So, and and you can want to play different things at different times. I I I, I want yeah, to play sure, DCC yeah. sometimes. I want to play uh, Trophy Dark other times. I want to play more narrative stuff. And like I love Fiasco. It's a completely narrative game. There is no stat. There is nothing. But it's such a great game. And and I love more traditional games. I love Demon Ring. I love you know. It's every game aboard this this stuff in different ways. I think we don't have to. Oh, I just I just like this way. So yeah. It's just being able to, as you said, like, uh, uh, as you said, being empathy to play. Uh, one thing I sometimes say here is that games help us build new models for us to to experience reality in a safer space, experience different ways to see the world in a safe space. That's what games do, right? They are like learning tools that allows you to see a different model of, of reality, of, of world through different lenses. And, and when we can play different characters, Even these models that each game gives you, you can look them through different angles and that's helped you understand yourself better, the world better, uh, the other person better because you see how they're portraying they, themselves, their alter egos in this different world, you know? So you you, you learn, uh, I don't know, socials, how to, how to behave, I think, how to see humanity in other people as you try to put humanity in the characters you create. Does that make any sense? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that like, uh, the sort of experience of playing really allows you to have that kind of, um, uh, I don't, I, 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 I'm trying to express the, the, the thing here, but I kind of like, I, I already used the word experience once in the sentence and I can't use it again. So yeah. I, I work myself into a core. I feel like Austin Powers here, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> I allow myself to introduce myself. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think the experience of play is really cool because it, it like allows you to have that safe, uh, you know, bubble. It's contained. You're in your head. Yeah. And so yeah. you're allowed to kind of, you know, mold that and you're take not going to like, you know, yeah. Yeah, you can take risks, despite so. what Jack. Yeah, exactly, and it's like you know, despite what Jack Chick will tell you from the old Chick tracks, uh, if your character <laughs> dies in the game, you don't have to die in real life, right? So, yeah. uh, uh, you know, rest in peace, Blackleaf. Um, but yeah. like, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like um, you have to uh, uh, 
kind of, you know, think about what you're doing while you're, while you're playing. And I think that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of older gamers certainly really push back against the safety tools, but it's like, you are opening yourself up and being vulnerable in a certain way. You're opening your mind, you're opening your heart when you play, you know, games, even if it is just, you know, you go into a dungeon and you, you know, uh, pound a bunch of goblins in a hamburger like you know it's it's one it's one of those things where it's like you are accessing part of yourself that you don't normally do you are accessing part of yourself which i think is why so many people are sort of reticent to role play um and also uh not to go on a whole nother tangent but just to say real quick that's the reason that i'm very anti uh at least at my tables you know people can do whatever they want at their own table but I'm very anti like joke characters and joke campaigns. Like I, there's enough levity at the table, you know, it's going to, you know, veer towards Monty Python itself. But I just, yeah. I, for whatever reason, I, I just think that like, you're so, um, when people, you have a you responsibility to yourself. Yeah. yeah to take others. it seriously, to, yeah. to, to take it seriously. And you can have characters that are, you know, have levity to them. You can have characters that have yeah. gimmicks or, jokes and there's going to be jokes that come up at the table but yeah. no matter wh whatever tone you set for the table it, it's going to devolve two steps two rungs down on the ladder so if you're yeah. having a super serious you know it's like you know uh if you're playing like you know the evils of elmire or something this you know uh dark dark fantasy osr thing that i was uh you know very happy to work on um but like you know i was reading through the material and it's very you know it's very rough stuff but at the same point in time, you know, I've, I've listened to people talk about their Eagles of Elmire campaign where things legitimately funny things happen in this very grim, dark setting. And it's like, yeah. yeah, like that's going to happen because that is the nature of having fun with your friends. Things are going to get less heavy over time. So if you start off from a, you know, if you're playing a, you know, a gnome with, you know, uh, giant ears and he talks like Sean Connery and he you know, does all this other stuff. And it's like, it's like, okay, like, you know, it's going to negatively impact your fun eventually. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's yeah. fine if people want to play that way, but it's just like, it's not sustainable at a table. And I always, I always run, I try to run more seriously where it's like, I'll have goofy NPCs for them to interact with and they can have fun interacting with those NPCs. But the tone of the game, I try to really keep into yeah. a, this makes sense, you know, area. So I don't know. Yeah, I think humor is a, it's a fantastic tool. Uh, I, I was watching the, the the game design masterclass from Will Wright from Sin City, and he always he focused really on humor. He says uh, humor is a great solution to alleviate tension in game, like for 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 failing, for death, for all this kind of stuff. Uh, but you can't abuse it because the otherwise it it derails the game and as you're saying like this this comic names i remember uh there's this guy here in brazil that would go to all the gaming conventions and he always make a character name in kakashi because he's an anime fan of of something so it, it's like you're playing uh a native native indian from brazil in like in the mythological past and his name is kakashi you would be playing like a medieval knight in, in Europe. He would name Kakashi. So it, it would break, not only uh, it breaks the fiction for everybody involved. It's I think it's kind of selfish. You know, everybody here is yeah. trying to, to have an experience in, 
in this in the, in, with the themes, with the setting, within this imaginary world, and you are here constantly reminding them that it's all silly. It's it's not. You're you know. <laughs> Of course, we know it's silly, well, but think... we, we we want to pretend you're 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 forcibly breaking our our fiction, you know, our our uh, disregard of reality, you know. I I forgot how the name uh, we used to say, uh, but it's that that part that we we forget reality, we're immersed in this game, and then comes this this person and then then disrupts everything just because they think it's funny, and then. And it's not because it's it's forced. If it's always forced, it's it's not funny. You know, it's it's more funny when when there is contrast. If if it's as we're saying, we need contrast. We have to have something serious. But for when something funny happens, it's really funny because if it's funny yeah. all the time, it's not funny. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, it, I think that again, it's you know, kind of one of those things where you look at what people want out of an experience, and I think a lot of people that have been brought in to role-playing games through Critical Role and uh, things like the uh, uh, the other, you know, sort of Dimension 20. And um, I won't even dare mention the McElroy brothers, which I I just, I, I, I dislike them so much that I, I, I shouldn't have <laughs> even brought them up. I'm sorry to bring everybody down. Uh, but like the, uh, 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 but they had a role-playing game, uh, like one of the online, you know, sort of things. But I think it's great that like they've, they've brought them in, but like, you know, uh, you know, we they always talk about like things like the Matt Mercer effect or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's like people wanting to have that critical role experience. All of those people know each other and are high level actors and improvisers. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's like the things, the tricks that they're able to do, or they're able to create characters that are uh, a little bit more maybe silly or have certain aspects to them that are going to be, they're coming at it with a lot of tools in their toolbox. And if you're a new yeah. role player you not, might not have those and it's great to try to emulate those but i think a lot of people that i've seen online are dissatisfied when they play role-playing games because they're expecting it to be in a way like those sort of you know um television shows that they watch where it's yeah. like you know these people are all of these people are at the top of their top of their game they're emotionally have the the tools to kind of turn off and turn on and you know be able to do those things and it's like that's the reason that like i think like as veteran role players or as game makers or as you know if you're involved with rpgs and you've been in the space for a while shepherding those people mentoring those people and being like okay like here's the thing but i think that like again that goes back to tools at the table where you provide as a gm my first goal is to provide those necessary sort of of barriers so people have a, a, a safer bubble to kind of experience those things in and if before you know when i do session zero i always you know try to try to make sure that everybody knows what the limits of the the setting are what the limits of the thing are because it's like you know it's like this isn't you know i i, I have certain things that i want to convey to them and they can feel safe in those things and then that allows them to kind of like explore out but i think like a lot of tables even if you're just using bog standard safety tools, that's great. That's the bare minimum. But you yeah. also kind of have to take that and think about not just for safety, but also for tone, also for 
the implications of the universe as far as like what is involved with that. If you have a fantasy setting, what heritage is, what people exist in this world, what people don't exist in this world, what the fact are or the different things at play that way people are able to choose and say oh okay well i have an idea where i would like to be from a small village in the north that you said this region up here you know maybe whatever you know you get done explaining all the different stuff and it's like you know i want to be from a small village in the north and they'll you know have worked uh, harvesting grain or whatever because that's the thing and it's like you know a lot of that stuff is boring where it's like you know you shouldn't like lore dump because it doesn't matter what the sort of people do in your universe but if you're making like a fantasy game i always say like here's what the the these people have this sort of thing this is their sort of aesthetic this is the the culture that they have and then you use that as a jumping off point to make your character unique make the place where you're from unique you can have your own family or whatever and characters can get really into that and i because i've always really felt nurtured and happy at the table when i was given the opportunity to do that to have a conversation with the gm about where my character comes from uh, if you're playing a space game, you know, it'd be like, that's a, that's a much farther open, but you'd be like, could I, could I be from a planet like X? Could I be from a planet like that had this? And then I was, you know, this is how my character, I want my character to function. And you have those conversations with your GM that there's a lot of inherent stuff. And if you're doing that in a, in a, in a setting, in a, in a session zero setting, it allows other people to kind of spark off your creativity and actually creates deeper bonds for that sort of thing where you can leapfrog off of one another. But um, but the problem that I see a lot of times is people want that as soon as they open the package. And it's like, you have to, like, you have to have a GM that can, that can sort of do that. But the only way to get there is to, to actually do it. So you're going to have, you know, if you're a new GM and you're just running for your game for, for somebody for the first time, just do your best and you're going to keep getting better and better and better. So it's like, but it's like, if you're a veteran player, you have the obligation to kind of shepherd people in the correct way to kind of get them to where they would want to be and make them feel safe at the table. I said a lot of things there. It was kind of a word salad. I apologize. For that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a complex topic. And, and of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello, weirdos. This is Diogo Nogueira, and I'm back with a word from our sponsors, me. I just released a new game called Cosmosaurus, in which you play a dinosaur space ranger who protects the galaxy from evil threats such as slime bankers, undead pirates and Cosmosaurus from a void dimension. It's a game with a runes light system inspired by Forge in the Dark and Lasers and Feelings. Uh, it comes with a bunch of tables for you to generate content for it. If you know my games, they are really easy to play and they have tools to help you improvise and play with low prep. It's an ideal game for one-shots, short campaigns and introducing new people to the hobby. And it's a really perfect family game. I play with my kids all the time. It's a game inspired by Saturday morning cartoons. It's really well illustrated uh, by Lukas Kowalski from Poland and with a great layout by Guilherme Gontijo. It's a really fun game. You should check it out on DriveThruRPG, itch.io or exclusively in print on ExaltedFurnor.com. I have many other games there, check them out. All the links are in the show notes, so click there. And let's get back to weird with our chat. If everybody would work together and have this more collective 
you know, social intelligence to help everybody out would be easier. Mm. Uh, but I have the impression this usually this job usually comes to the to the GM, right? And sometimes the GM isn't so, you know, social socially evolved to to have all this to orient everybody. So that's that's what that's where the, the safety tools come in. And I know uh, they're more generic and they're unfit for every group, but you start to experiment and with them and see how they can help. And some of them even have this this kind of uh, routine for you to, to ask what kind of themes you want to abort, what kind of things we don't want to abort, what kind of genre and, and, and kind of characters and, and plots would be interesting. I, I think that's kind of the stuff we're telling, like well, how, how serious you want to be, how goofy, and we, do we want to deal with, with sexual stuff or no? Well, is that what we're talking about, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, it's one of those things where it's like I normally come to the table with, you know, when I'm running because most of the time I run games, and my my thing is always here's here's my here's my as a as a GM my limits, you know what I mean? So I yeah. I tell I tell the people that I'm playing with, I'm not going to if you're looking for something that's like you know yeah. um uh something that's going to be more romance heavy or something that's a little bit more blue i'm not i'm not the guy for that i don't you know i i i don't have any problem with people who are into that kind of thing but like i personally don't yeah. feel comfortable at the table with that um so i'm not going to include those in my games here's how i'm going to yeah. handle that if there's you know like i'm not going to go through long drown out romance sequences in a game where that's not really the goal of it and i normally don't make that the goal of it but you know i mean sure, if you're yeah. going to interact with the world there's always going to be that you know it's not sure. that you can't yeah. it's just yeah. that we're going to gloss over it yeah and it's, you... it's it's going to be very you know whatever um and yeah and, and it's like but i think that like a lot of times those sort of things it's like you know do you have uh in, in your campaigns, do you have things like uh, people who are looking to capture people and enslave them and put them into, you yeah. know, go work in the mines? You know, that was always like a big fantasy trope. And it's like, are yeah. people going to feel uncomfortable about that? You know, I think that it's like, it's like, you know, there's a lot of different stuff at the table. But for me, it's it, if there's any kind of like uh, disagreement about that or anything else, I'll try to amend at my table whatever because like i'm not like you know I, I like to make my villains villainous but i also don't want to make anybody uncomfortable with that and yeah. it's never going to be you know an assault situation it's never going yeah. to be a uh other than you know maybe with swords or clubs or you know knives or something you know in that sense where <laughs> it's like yeah. they might try to kill you uh, and they might try to capture you but like you know it's one of those things where it's like uh you know i i, I like to have elements that are but like it's a fantasy you don't have to have it doesn't have to have any basis in real world thing it can almost be like i like i always say that like my preferred style is like saturday morning action right so it's like uh so it's like high adventure and kind of like more like saturday morning something yeah. from like the old dungeons and dragons cartoon or the barbarian um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's yeah. like in those they deal with stuff where it's like the heroes might get captured, the heroes might get yeah. whatever, but there's never it's never like they lean too 
heavily and it's like oh they've captured my loved ones but it's never like there's an intense romance sequence other than maybe yeah, a kiss yeah. on the cheek or you know yeah. whatever a quick kiss or whatever yeah. it's like that's that kind of stuff is fine princess bride yeah. think of like that yeah. something along those lines where it's yeah, like yes course. that deals yeah. with love and romance but at the same point in time you don't really have that sort of deep um yeah. you know that's in the background looking... that's like yeah, motivation exactly. stuff but it's not it's a... like the main focus you're not gonna try and like close up in the in the scenes and stuff that's <laughs> that's what motivates the characters yeah yeah i get it right and, yeah and that's a nice way to do too like as a gm you can get to your group say oh here's how my games run so these are, are the options the themes i i i touch these are the the, the kind of plots that happen so this this campaign will feature a lot of undead we'll be focusing on this and this and, and doing that And that can be a nice. And if players don't like this, then can just choose another GM or or even suggest something. But of course, the GM has also to be comfortable with the stuff he's running. And then of course, we we can't force the GM. Oh, we we don't care about this. Hodag, we're gonna run for us a game about I don't know romance in the in the high school. And of course, that that, that can, <laughs> can't work, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and also too, it's yeah, it's it's uh, you bring up a really good point there too letting people know not only what's possible in your universe but also where what corner of the universe you're going to be setting yeah. things in because if what i build the a, themes you, I, you, exactly the themes you like yeah the regions yeah, the kind of problems they will be facing you know right because if it's like oh i'm building a you know uh, uh i want to play a character that's a uh, very charismatic bard character and he's got you know a loot and i'm going to put all of my points into you know making sure that he has a lot of yeah. social connections and everything else and then we play a game where you're marching through the desert yeah yeah that's or not gonna work a dungeon. yeah it's exactly yeah, yeah 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 or you're stuck in a dungeon and you're not interacting with anybody except for uh you know yeah. uh you create a pirate you create a pirate <laughs> and we're going to play just dungeon crawls so yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's not going to work it's not going to work out um yeah. but also too i think that that's the reason that like i would say that like it's good to vary from thing to thing also something yeah. that i've always thought about is like the more episodic nature of role-playing games where you have like a weekly a weekly game where you're like you know if you watch a tv series like uh, i just recently got into xena warrior princess hadn't seen any of it and yeah. uh so i just started watching it and uh well um you know and uh uh so we're watching xena and i'm i'm watching and i'm thinking okay look at the aesthetic of this this is perfect but it's also too it's they took a lot of cues from the third edition uh uh, uh third edition dungeons and dragons they took a lot of like inspiration from xena it looks like like a lot of the aesthetics the sort of leather and gold and <laughs> the way that they like craft weapons and stuff yeah, yeah i'm like I'm, i'm i'm watching i'm like this is great it's like third edition the, the tv show but it came yeah. up before, and, and so I'm, i'm watching it but like the, the idea of like the episodic fantasy adventure where you can have yeah. your characters in between the the, yeah. the 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 sessions that you do have that downtime and you don't need to go into okay well this episode we're going into a dungeon that has like a, a frost uh wizard in it and he's got a bunch of icy skeletons and the next time you could be traveling like you just you yeah. know uh join in media res that's like Conan uh, stores like yeah. the sword and sorcery yes. stores are usually like that like 
Every new yeah. short <laughs> short tail, they are somewhere else doing something. It's already happening. Right. They already have a problem, and that problem can go away or can get bigger or, or something like this. Yeah. Right. And you That's pick up a Conan book, and you're like, "Is he a is he a thief? Is he a king? Is he a, yeah. a a warlord? Is he what what's going on?" But he's like always constantly having these different roles, and I think that maybe if we like start like looking at our characters like that, having a different like perspective of like things are going to change from time to time, but there's always a consistent thread through the thing where it's like you don't have to. It's just like comic books, where it's like you know when I was growing up they were moving more towards the, um, the, the un, unspooled sort of, uh, I, I don't I forget what the word is, but the long form storytelling where everything took place in like six issue arcs, right? So you'd have to read issues one, two, three, four, and five and six all in order for you to get the full story. And when I was younger, yeah. I used to read a lot of like Silver Age and, uh, you know, uh, Golden Age reprints where it was like, you're at a Golden Age comic, you get three self contained stories three or four self-contained stories in one book silver age usually it's just one story per book but you would get a, a, a story that you could just pick up reread go through and each issue had its own continuity or not own continuity but like internal continuity where it was like you didn't need to read any of the other comics because they would explain to you things that you needed to know about the character in the comic itself and then you wouldn't have to, you could just pick it up off the stands and have an entirely self-contained thing. But nowadays, comic books are really like going for making those trade paperback collections. So it, you have like issues one through six and maybe some additional material, but they want to be able to sell those trade paperbacks. So yeah. they have the sort of like um, longer form storytelling. But it's like, if we went back to having, uh, or not, you know, if we started telling stories at our tables that were self-contained that way it would it would make sense and if someone can't make it at your table for any reason you're not involved in these extra plots you know kind of you like have a west march style table but with the people that you normally play with where it's like each adventure is contained and you know it, it, it it's its own thing you know um i think maybe a lot more people would be you know better off that way right so I, I don't know. Uh, I guess just figure it out. But that's definitely an option, you know? I was muted. I actually have a weird game idea uh, that touches on this. And the idea would be every session of the... It's a urban, urban setting game, like in like kind of Lankmar or Ankmore Park. And which every session would be just one night in the game. And your character, whoever shows up, it's there that night. We can do stuff. We can rob someone. We can, you know, do this kind of <laughs> roguish uh, urban crawl kind of adventure. And when the session ends, the sun rises and you have to get back to your day job or whatever. Like every character, like it's it's a cool game. And the, the name of the game is uh, Petty Gods and Playthings. So you as a oh, okay. player, you as a player, you are a god in the game. So that's that. It has a little bit of that things you don't like, like the shared narrative, because every player will create a minor god, like a petty god. So you can be god of procrastination, god of I don't know anything you can imagine, and you begin <laughs> the game with with very little influence. Like and and the XP track, it's it's like the uh, the street of the gods. So you begin like in the very beginning with just a small shrine and very little followers. 
but you have a pet you have a, a plaything a mortal so you create a normal character too like an adventure or something and this adventure has a day job that they do during the day they are not there and it's like his secret identity they have their essence which is when this this minor god touched their mortal so uh they 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 can't fit in normal society anymore so they have a destiny something they can become and they have also a doom something that can happen to them that's terrible and you know all this these little things so you play as a so as a player as you spend points to do this and that you're actually the god doing the stuff in the game so even the meta game is kind of diegetic you know so all the players are these gods controlling these mortals in the city and and the gm is also the the overlord of the city so if any player with their plaything take over the city they have to become the gm you know <laughs> interesting yeah that's that's wild i yeah. uh i hadn't heard of that before but it, it sounds fun i, I definitely yeah. i try it you know i'll, I'll try the, any game once you know what i mean like uh i i even and, you know i i've played some that, pretty bizarre one the xp will, will not be from the character will be from the god so it would be like a divine spark or something you can use to either uh evolve your character or evolve your faith you can buy uh, a church or a cathedral or you can convert someone influence and you can spend points to making small interventions but not too big because the real powerful gods want wouldn't want uh these small gods interfering for their world so every time you spend the points to, to make a, a divine interference you risk you know calling attention to yourself from the the bigger and more controlling gods you know interesting yeah that sounds really fun yeah and i already have the cover <laughs> that's what i do <laughs> I, i i hire people to make a cover and and so i well i spend a lot on this so i have to write this eventually so yeah <laughs> wait hold on hold on you're telling me you came up with that game yeah diego i i, I thought it, the way you were talking about it i thought this is a game that you would you would you would play that that's incredible <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no wonder you have such a good lock on what's going on in that game. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> yeah. It's well, yeah, it was I, an I, idea I had, yeah. It's yeah, kind of yeah, evolved no, from I'll, Primal I'll, Quest, I'll, yeah. Sorry. I'll make games. People will ask me for clarifications on things. Like, I don't know. I made the game. It's out of my hands. It's your problem now. You figure yeah. it out. If there's a once I've drawn something, once I've created, I always tell I uh Uh, was uh, telling uh, uh, Josh uh, McCrawl of, uh, oh gosh, uh, the uh, Joshy McCrew on, uh, uh, but anyways, he uh, he and I were working on uh, Ringless together, which is sort of a, a, a Tolkien-esque fantasy game. And um, so, uh, but he's making Ma His Majesty the Worm right now. So that's kind of on yeah. pause. Um, but I was telling him, I was like, Once we've made uh, a, a, a game, or once, once I've made a game, it's out of my hands. I've already completed it. It's out in the world. So, you know, some, sometimes I'll go back through and, like, if there's something particularly egregious or it says something that, you know, um, is just completely factually wrong and ruins the game, I'll try to, like, go back and, like, but, like, once, once the game's made, it's done you know in in my and so it's just kind of like <laughs> it's out there in the world so it's no longer my problem because again i i sort of access that more creative space and then once i'm out of that creative space i could not tell yeah. you 
how to play the games that I make. They make sense <laughs> while I'm making them. And usually I'll like double check them to make sure that there's some kind of continuity in there that people can follow. But like <laughs> once they're done, I have no idea. They've completely left my mind and I will not be able to tell you anything about them because uh -huh. I've accessed a different place and it, they come from somewhere else and I just channel them. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I was like, I was, I was sitting there and I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. I'll have to pick that up or, you know, play a game. And then you're like, I made it. I was like, ah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, no, I, I, I just have the notes for it for now. Like I'm, I'm play testing it. Uh, oh, it's okay. the same system as Primal Quest. Well, uh, but you know, do some things okay. a little bit different, and I want to develop it bigger. Uh, I I commissioned a, a cover to to encourage me to actually write it. That's one of my my mm -hmm. my creative hacks. Is you want to make something, uh, pay someone to make a really good cover for it. So you spend some money and you look at it and think, oh, now I have to write this thing because I spent five hundred dollars on this. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> make it make a game worthy of it. Make a game worthy yeah. of the uh, worthy of the uh, you know yeah uh, uh, the art that has been created. So exactly, yeah. I have two games like this. I have this petty gods and play things, and I have another one uh, inspired by philosophy and stoicism that I I hired an artist and made like a cool cover, and it's waiting there for me to to tackle as soon as I have some time <laughs> and. Do you have any any kind of weird game idea that you that you had but you who couldn't implement it yet? Like do you have any any really weird out of the box uh thing you want to do but you were you were not able to do it yet? Um I've got well I've got uh, my my heartbreakers obviously, you know. Um I'm still working on 20 dag which is sort of the uh uh has elements of Hodag, the heroic original dice adventure game, has elements of uh, third edition, uh, kind of like not not the actual mechanics of third edition, but like the feeling I had while I was playing third edition Dungeons and Dragons, like I was trying to like recapture that, you know. And it's a little yeah. bit more in line with the thing. Um, I've got a heartbreaker that is called uh, Space's End, and um, I, it's been up on my itch page forever, and it's like a you know sort of a coming soon. Uh, which is a lie because it's not coming soon. I'm going to be working on it forever. Um, but Spaces <laughs> End is is a is is a series of uh, more hard sci-fi. Like I, I originally when I was playing when I was envisioning Spaces End, it was this very weird like um, permutation. It started off with the idea that I had when I was a kid about what the Clone Wars were, and and Star Wars. You'd hear about the Clone Wars. Obi Wan Kenobi fought the Clone Wars. Blah blah. And then I was like, what if uh, in my head, I was picturing like World War One or World War Two with lightsabers. And um, it was, you know, obviously it was a space space thing. Right. And that's kind of what Star Wars is anyways. But like I was like I in my head, I was thinking more like trench combat, like hardcore warfare on a planet like the Clone Wars all took place in this planet. Um, and it was, you know, a lot like World War One, where it was like, you know, they were fighting over this no man's land and all this other stuff. And then that sort of harder, more militaristic universe kind of like gave way to a universe that was very um, not hard sci-fi, but had the trappings of hard sci-fi or not harder sci hard sci-fi, but like industrial sci-fi. So like 
um basically the idea is is there's this uh anomaly this this sort of inner interspatial eddy where uh people get stuck there when they're traveling through hyperspace through from other universes and other multiverses and timelines and things they they get stuck in this but basically one-way portal that kind of uh is caused by this uh 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 reverse black hole called Lumos the Great Dive that is sort of the space anomaly that has this uh, kind of, it, it, it's very kind of trading on those like ideas of like 1970s sci-fi where it's like more industrial. It's almost like um, Alien meets uh, 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 Diner at the End of the World, Douglas Adams meets, uh, you know, 90s Star Wars EU novel uh, meets like all these other ideas that really informed it, but basically, um, there, it's it's like so they get stuck in this this place, and actually that comes from a I used to have uh in one of my houses uh I that I lived in I had this border that I found that was all planets, and I, I was like oh it's cool I was like you know like one looked like Saturn and one looked whatever, and I had it up in this uh, sort of little area that was sort of my my workspace when I was in 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 high school in Sheboygan. And um, I so like I put it up with tape and the tape ripped off part of the part of the actual image of the uh, of the planets. And I was like, that's interesting. And so I named all the planets, you know, because I was like, oh, this is going to be like, I'm just going to name all these planets and I'll use it for like a space game like later on, you know. And so because <laughs> even then, even then in my my first years of role playing, the first Thing that i wanted to do was world build i wanted to make my own universe i want to make my own games immediately after learning how to play and so um but i like i ripped off part of it and i noticed that like the white patches of like where the image had come off i was like it'd be interesting if that was some kind of space anomaly right so basically space's end is uh long story short uh you get you get sucked in through these sort of space eddies and um it's this sort of like uh island of uh inner inner space island where there's 26 planets that are in kind of in this that have gotten sucked into this sort of anomaly that all revolve around this sort of uh anti-black hole that has this sort of weird radiation and so like the people that work on the ships they'll like get energy because it creates energy but like when they work on the ships they basically become mutants because they have like uh, uh that was one of the ideas that i had where they're like you know like harnessing this energy but when they work on these ships the, the 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 radiation that comes off of it kind of makes them like more mutated and so you know and it's like kind of a hard scrabble galaxy like, like a lot like star wars more industrial you know type thing so anyways uh, long story short uh space is then coming never um but like uh it's one of those things that keep Keeps me going and keeps my mind turning in in the back of my head and it's gone through so many permutations and you know i've had uh you know characters you know uh uh, uh you know that exists on this like hard sort of like dark sun you know uh type planet what called diastar and there's morning star the last pal and he's this like intergalactic warlord that kind of you know has a a, a very he's big and green and has this you know and I, i've drawn all these characters out and it's just like you know um uh, uh it, yeah i don't know i i have a lot of like uh thoughts and ideas that i've poured into this setting that may never yeah. see the light of day but that's my heartbreaker you know that's my that's the big one that i'm gonna that i'm gonna produce 
someday. And um, it's, yeah. you know, and I, I but now the, the further I get into game making, the more I realize that all of those big ideas, I'm going to have to squeeze those into a book. I'm going to have yeah. to take those ideas and, and, and make them playable. And is, is that a game? Is that a game that I have these NPCs for? Is it a story? Is it, what is it, you know? But um, yeah, so I mean, that's like, that's like the weirdest thing that I can think of is my sort of spaces end, which I just haven't, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, literally the end of space where, you know, yeah. all these sort of weird things. And I don't know, I don't know. Um, so it's almost Guardians of the Galaxy, like, you know, um, but uh, I probably talked about that for way too long. I apologize to the listeners. Yeah, no worries. Don't have to apologize. It's it's, it's great. I mean, Summer Blades and, and Cosmic Spells were my Summer Blades Cosmic Spells was born out of wanting to make like a dark sun in space. So it's mm. it's kind of like that's awesome something in this in this sense. But why don't you try to make any like a the minimal viable version of it just for us to see? You don't have to make like the oh. I know you have this idea that I made something, it's done, I'm going to move to the next. But wouldn't you want to like make something small for it and then you will build space ends as, as it grows? Or do you really want to make like something big and just have it it's ready? Or you have no plans of ever finishing it for real? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that that's, that's the one that if I ever did do like a Kickstarter, I'd get like a group of people together and be like, here's... I'm going to spearhead this, but here's what I need everybody, you know, to help me with. And I would do, if I were to do that, I would do like a big, like Kickstarter type thing. That would be like a big, like, you know, I, something I could put on my shelf that is like the other role-playing books, right. That is like, like yeah. the, the codexes of my youth. Um, I think that that's the goal of that one. Um, yeah. I, although that said, Making a playtest version is not a bad idea, right? Yeah, but yeah. I've got a ton and of that's other games. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I, a lot of times I'll do anyways. Like, um, you know, when yeah. I was uh, developing a lot of my stuff, like I'll just release ash can stuff of like, yeah. I beneath the dungeon floor had an ash can. Um, I'm trying to think of like uh uh, uh beyond the hyper trench had an ash can. So you know, I'll, I'll make that that way people can kind of like download it look at what the the material is and then be able to like figure out what what's what's playing but yeah um yeah i don't know uh also you know i i recently have been thinking a lot about gi joe um and the um the the ideas behind that um kind of like it's something that i just you know i grew up like playing with other people's you know toys that they had at their houses and i didn't have uh many gi joes growing up um, but I've, uh, that's something that I didn't know a lot about. And a few years ago, I got really into, uh, masters of the universe because I didn't know a lot about it. And then I started reading about it. I was like, Oh, this is really neat. And so I've been like yeah. looking at a lot of like GI Joe stuff. And I kind of like really like the idea of, I think that that would be very, those more toyetic properties that are, you're able to think about like, uh, you know, a quote unquote, like international peacekeeping force or whatever. But it's like, I think that like the GI Joes, how they function is kind of like they don't actually deal with military operations. They're dealing with um, sort of like personal small team assaults on uh, like bunkers of like the bad guy, like the Cobra bad guys, right? Yeah. Special like, forces kind of stuff. 
Right. Yeah. That's perfect for a role-playing game. And I know that they already have like GI Joe role-playing games and things of that nature. But I think that like, it might be interesting because I had uh, an idea for a superhero game that was kind of like based off, like, I think it was, I was going to build it out in either beneath the dungeon floor or um, another system that I was kind of uh, thing, but it was like superheroes. And it was kind of based off the old, because like a lot of like my, my games are based off of old toys that I love. So, you know, like uh, Beyond the Hyper Trench was literally, uh, you know, my love of the old Star Wars and, and Power for the Force 2 figures. Um, my, you know, a lot of my games are, I, I did uh, Accelerated Warlords and Wisemen that was based off the old LJN Dungeons and Dragons line. Um, so I, I, I draw a lot of inspiration from toys because I love action figures. And I, I'm, I, I, I had this uh, super... Uh, uh, Secret Wars uh, uh, action figures. And I was like, it'd be fun to do, do kind of like all of these with like the serial numbers filed off and look at the different bases yeah. and vehicles that they had. And then and it was like, uh, so it's like Assault on uh, Castle v- uh, Von Glaum, which was the sort of like uh, Dr. Doom-esque character that I had created um, with elements of Darth Vader and a few other things. And basically, you'd have to go rescue whatever heroes you weren't playing would be spread out through this uh, dungeon, basically, this Electro Dungeon. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, the, the big evil bad guy has these superheroes locked up in his castle, and you have to go through the castle and save all these other heroes. But whatever heroes that you don't play with that you don't choose to as your characters to inhabit while you're playing the game, then go into the dungeon as the the people that are captured. And so um, I never quite got that one to work. So eventually I need to do that. But I was thinking about doing something along those lines for a GI Joe game. And also too, it would just be fun. I remember one of the last things that uh, Ursa Minor and I did uh, uh, before he passed was that um, we, we were working on, <laughs> on on like fake gi joe stuff so uh mm-hmm. his character was h2 h2 oh yeah and uh h2 oh yeah was uh a wa- he had the water he had with a water wagon vehicle um you know that had like the potable water that you know they can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know you get thirsty you know when you're fighting these uh these yeah, things and my, uh, my character was called snack pack and uh he had the the, the chuck wagon uh, which was the food so it was the food and water uh vehicles um but anyways uh so we kind of you know created self insert characters for this gi joe thing but like that's always stuck in my mind of like uh it would be so fun to come up with like fun names and i think that like you know again like you could take the game seriously but if it's a saturday morning cartoon style action you can have those you know those funny little names and it's not going to break the immersion as opposed yeah. to when you're in a fantasy game, if you're playing a wizard yeah. named Gandalf, or you know, yeah. or Gan, you know, yeah. uh, you're playing Middle uh, Earth, yeah, 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 Gan, Gandorf or setting, whatever, yeah, 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 yeah. it's going to yeah. be different than if you're, yeah, well, you know, a military operative named, you know, uh, uh, ne- you know, uh, Neon Leon or something like that. I don't know. So you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, you yeah. know, it, 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 it's I guess it's all about the, the Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exactly, the spirits exactly. of the game. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah uh i had an idea but I, I i forgot i had a question but oh yeah about uh things you take inspiration from uh, and i've mentioned i see you mentioned a lot about 
toys and in, in, in cartoons and comics. And, and for me, I sense that a lot of things that inspire me to do my games and my art has a lot of to do with things that I, I, I loved as a, as a kid in my childhood. It's something that has some, some emotional comfort to me, I would say. Like you see Cosmosaurus, you see Primal Quest, you have dinosaurs, you have cartoons, uh, Lost in the Fantasy World inspired by, by the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, all of this kind of stuff and the things you're saying. So what I would like to ask is about your childhood. Do, do you have good memories of your childhood and do you see uh, this as a, as a source of inspiration for your work? Um, yeah, I, uh, I had a pretty rough childhood actually. Uh, I won't get into it. Uh, not here. Um, but sure. yeah, I, I, I definitely, it's all built off the bones of, uh, escapism, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly uh, here. Yeah. 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 This yeah, is yeah, my he, refuge. He, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and when I was a kid, uh, you know, my reality wasn't necessarily the best, um, you know, farm life is hard and, you know, there's other things that go into that, but, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I was, I was, I was very lonely as a child. I did not have yeah. the type of interactions that I wanted to have with people. And I even felt disconnected from when I was attending public school. Um, you know, I was, I was, I went to public school, I went to a private school and I was also homeschooled. So I got the full gamut, you know, of that, those experiences. But um, when I was homeschooled and living on the farm, you know, uh, things were very lonely. It was a, it was a lonely time in my life and, um, you know, situations weren't the best and, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, sort of rough stuff happened and it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, uh, yeah, uh, this, I, I, these I, things I, were our friends, like the, the characters on the cartoon. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. Kind and of like, you know, I, we felt safe I would, with, with these things. Yeah. I would, I would start building, you know, mind palaces, I guess, but like, you know, um, you could, you know, you, you could, you could start internalizing those things. But I think that made me a more well-rounded adult when I actually got out into, um, a space where I could interact with people because then I was, you know, first of all, it was like, I was a lot more gregarious because I was like, I had no one to talk to and I'm a very personal person or, you know, person who enjoys other people. And I, was just like I you can't stop me now from interacting with people I'm going to interact with everybody on earth and I'm going to try to make everybody my friend and uh, <laughs> you know um but like you yeah. know uh, having those 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 deep sort of roots of being able to build things out of nothing build stories and adventures and ideas in your head about you know um you know uh different stuff and you know, the Hobbit and Ivanhoe. And, you know, uh, I watched a lot of, um, I don't know if uh, in, in Brazil, if it was brought down there, but um, there was a, a, a TV show called Wishbone. And it was about a dog that told you about old, uh, like uh, uh, classic literature stories. And no, I, um, I was introduced so, to yeah. a lot of like classic literature through that. So like Three Musketeers and Ivanhoe and a lot of that different stuff. And that always like fascinated me, those different like, Every episode did tell a different, you know, the very basic story of, you know, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's quarter, whatever it was. And it would it would be but the dog was the main character. Um, but like it was like or he would portray the main character. Um, but it was like uh, uh, that introduced me to a lot of different like things. And I watched a lot of PBS growing up and um, stuff like that. So it was kind of like I didn't have access to a lot of the stuff 
uh and then I, I had to go back and like catch up a lot you know it's like i got to watch the first season of power rangers but then i had to stop watching that because it was like deemed like inappropriate um i had to like you know really kind of like uh sneak uh watching batman the animated series that was you know and i had to like you know sneak around and kind of like the stuff that i was interested in i always had to kind of like not necessarily keep hidden but like um i just didn't have a lot of the opportunities so when i got the opportunity i was very excited to do it and um so it was, you know, one of those situations where uh, uh, I started building out those ideas. Um, and I think later on, that was fertile ground for me to kind of like shape it into game, shape it into illustration, shape it into I love reading books as a kid. I love looking at uh, yeah. especially like uh, old illustrations or anything that was like and a lot of it, you know, a lot of the reason I like the black and white art is because I read a lot of those older books with like the the old, you know, uh, print, uh, you know, the, the very thin line work, beautiful illustration stuff. And, you know, that kind of, I think really, really captured my imagination a lot of the time. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, uh based off the things that I liked during my childhood and the things that I didn't have access to in my childhood that now as an adult, I can go back and say, yes, I'm going to do, I'm going to learn everything about yeah. GI Joe. I'm going to learn everything about Thundercats. I'm going to learn everything about, you know, um, and I was always a big Star Wars, Star Wars kid, but now it's like, I have unlimited access to that and I'm going to, yeah. you know, uh, just enjoy that and revel in that, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so, but yeah, I, mean, I get it. Yeah. Your question, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I... I, f I feel much like the same way. I mean, probably we, we had different issues, but I mean, yeah, I, I felt lonely. I, I was hit as a kid and and, and now I'm, I'm investigating. They probably have autism and stuff. So I was kind of weird and a kind of an outsider and, you know, pop culture, cartoons, comics and toys were, were really my safe space. It was where, where I felt more <clears throat> free to, to imagine and to to be who we are right i don't know and, and yeah no and that nice. built yeah, me I... a great emotional ties to to these things and and now my my i think my imagination is tied to them and when i create stuff this always come really strong for me as as an as an something that i don't know speaks to me i think yeah those old cartoons like the dd cartoons thunder yeah, the barbarian yeah that uh i i had never seen the uh the dungeons and dragons cartoon until last year i oh, started yeah. watching it because i i just didn't have access to it and i always i was like oh this is interesting that they made a dnd cartoon but i like and i heard things you know and i was like oh was, you know it's kind of goofy but it's pretty fun i watched it and i fell in love with great. all yeah. of those characters you know and i i think that like you know it's like you know uh, uh <laughs> you have uh all of this like stuff and i'm like this is so incredible and the way that, that, that it functions they have like okay i recognize that i recognize that but i you know i, I never um I, I you know i they would introduce new characters and it was like decon the uh, you know sort of uh skeleton knight and uh uh things like you know it's like you know i'd seen pictures of a hook horror before but it was so cool to see that at, in the cartoon or you know uh uh oh what the one that has plants for hands uh but it was like you know all of these other the different monsters the classic monsters the classic but then also too just the very gentle way that like you know it's like these teams interacting with each other and then having 
Oh, excuse me. The oh. very um the very gentle wisdom of the dungeon master. It's such a charming TV show. I love yeah. it. And no wonder that like people in Brazil are like the biggest fans. Like it was huge <laughs> down there. Yeah. And so it's like whenever you look at fan spaces for it, like I started going into fandom spaces for it and they were just like, and it's just like 90% uh, Brazilian people because they, <laughs> they love it. In fact, there was a TV commercial for a car yes, down there yes. that was only for Brazil, but the, where they brought yeah. back the characters, but to many yeah. people, um, uh, especially, you know, from what I understand, the people of Brazil love the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. You know, that's so, that's so neat. So yeah. Which I, I have mean, the DVDs like, here I... to show my kids. I, I bought the DVDs oh, really? like a couple of months ago. Yeah, and I bought Tundar and and Herculoid too, but those haven't arrived yet. But the, the oh yeah, but, uh, that they Th have yeah. Thundar and that was like what Akla the Mock and um or Ukla yeah. the Mock. What was it? Ukla. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Ukla ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then Herculoids had the uh, oh, I only saw it on uh, used to be a, a TV channel called Boomerang. That was uh, a spinoff yeah. of the Cartoon Network, and yeah, they would show yeah. the different. And I think like that one had uh, the dinosaurs that could shoot like rocks out of their sort of like horns, right? Like there was like, something with the Herculoids, and there was like a yeah, big Herculoids, creature. Herculoids, yeah, Herculoids, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, yeah, so. they, they seems like a good inspiration for Primal Quest. And, and someday I want to do something like Thunder the Barbarian, like the barbarians of the future past, or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. Uh, well, yeah. if you, uh, I'll I'll throw my hat into the ring right now. If you want to get together and do that, I'd love to do some artwork yeah. for it because uh, okay. I love nothing. Nobody loves future past stuff more than I do. Uh, yeah, you know, Jack it's, Jack it's Kirby's. Um, yes. Um, oh, yes. What was it? Kamandi. 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 Yeah. 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 Kamandi, yeah. the last, the last hero. And they also had uh, yeah. Anthro, the first hero in DC Comics, which was a, sort of like he was just a regular caveman. <laughs> and then they yeah. had Commandy, yeah. who was the last caveman. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, um, there was actually, there was um, recently a uh, a movie that came out, um, and it was from the DC animation. And I can't remember what the name of it was. I think it was maybe a John Constantine thing, um, where he was like trapped between worlds or something like that. But they had two extra, uh, they had two extra cartoons on it. One was the Charlton Blue Beetle that was kind of in the style of the 1967 uh, Spider-Man, which was really interesting. And they also had a Jack Kirby, uh, like the animation looked like Jack Kirby for Commandy. Wow. And it was really interesting. Yeah. That must and it was really good. Cool. Yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah, well, if you if you want to get together, Diogo, we'll we'll do it. We'll do it. So yeah, I I, yeah. I do want to, but I have to finish the things I have started now. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can start yeah. one more thing. You could yeah do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those intrusive thoughts. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah. Keep making it. Yeah. As, yeah. You know, I I cannot tell you how many drafts I have saved on my phone of oh yeah I mean, <laughs> different yeah yeah I can't just, start another you know, one I have I have to finish something yeah. and yeah well I finished one so. thing I, I finished uh, a small uh, commission adventure for for Don Stroud for his Renations of Pilgrimage RPG it's really kind of uh, cool like this uh, horror religious horror kind of wrong brains feels kind of Diablo or something with uh, oh, cool. horror 
and the mothership first edition system it's really cool yeah. oh that's awesome i uh i did uh when i did that uh zine game that i made the uh uh dungeon 80 um i did uh, uh a uh diablo-esque expansion for it called d97 oh. That was a Nine. reference to Diablo. I love, I love that. Yeah, I love, I love playing the original Diablo uh, yeah. <laughs> so much. So that sounds really interesting. Yeah, I. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely a uh, uh, something I'm interested in. Yeah, I wanted to make a solo RPG kind of Diablo that would go to the cathedral and then afterwards the graveyard and then the catacombs and have to progress to reach hell someday. I, I actually started writing, but I didn't finish. That's one of the one of the drafts that's unfinished here. It's the Into the Abyss would be the, the name of the game. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I love Diablo 2. I used to play, especially the one, the Diablo 1 and 2. I tried to play 3 yeah. a little bit, but then like after two weeks, I was like, oh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tapped out after Diablo 1. I was I was trying to play Diablo 2, and I was like, is this a run meter? What's going on here? And then I was like... <laughs> yeah. I, it was it was already too complicated in this like permutation yeah. just, i like diablo and the point and click yeah. <laughs> yeah i but um, i just i just installed starcraft 2 do you like starcraft ah uh, no i um i i wasn't a big computer game player yeah. i didn't have access yeah. to a computer until i was an adult so it was you know one yeah. of those things where it was like you know i got to play diablo at friends houses and things like that but um and i guess my granddad a computer that i that i played diablo on but yeah mm -hmm. i never got into any of that stuff i had cousins and uh my friends were all into you know uh the war warcraft 3 and uh starcraft yeah. and uh you know but i also too you know again being you know uh artists really are the jocks of the rpg world But I was yeah. I was never smart enough to play any sort of Command and Conquer <laughs> or any 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 of the either turn based or real time strategy. Yeah. I was always like I was always like you know what's really great is when uh, the guy with the guy from Doom has a gun and he goes around <laughs> and shoots the bad guys. That's neat. So yeah. I I was always more of that. I, I honestly I love fighting games. That's what my favorite. Yeah. Like, one. What, you what's your fight? favorite fighting game? Oh, uh, probably Injustice. Like obviously being a big DC fan, I was like fusion ah. of that. I love, I love Mortal Kombat. I love Mortal Kombat. Um, Street Fighter is fine. I like Street Fighter 2 a lot. Um, that was like really popular when I was a kid. So obviously, like you know, um, I played a lot of that. Um, I played I a love lot of the um, Marvel versus uh, Capcom ones because it's so oh, fast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had, I had that on the PlayStation. Chaotic, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 and I'm like, who's who's onslaught? Who's because you know I I love I love comics and I like I have a, a a working a working knowledge of Marvel, but like yeah. you know <laughs> I I I I wasn't like, I'm not, as up yeah. Marvel stuff, so I was always like you know like oh who's this character you know I'm not very into <laughs> DC. I'm more into Marvel. I don't know much about DC. I mean, I oh, don't, I don't yeah, know much uh, about the, Marvel the, too, you know. But I mean, yeah, the movies and stuff. I like that DC, the TV series are really good. Uh, but for me, the movies, yeah. they, I think they take themselves too seriously sometimes. And it can Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, it's, it's, I would like something that I'm pretty excited about James Gunn's, you know, upcoming kind of um, hybrid where it's going to be, you know, fun, uh, fun. And maybe he's taking 
taking it seriously, but it's going to be a little bit more lighter, yeah. a lighter approach. Um, I didn't hate the, the Snyder movies. I know that's kind of a, a, a unpopular opinion. I didn't hate them. I didn't love them either. They were, yeah. you know, they they yeah. were what they were, and I was excited to see my favorite characters. And I liked I liked yeah. some stuff and didn't like other parts of it. So it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, there's a lot of fundamental misunderstandings of those characters. But also too, you know, I'm a fan of multiverse stuff, so it's okay yeah. that those characters were different. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, just like one of those things where it was like. And I loved like you know Jason Jason Momoa's Aquaman like I'm a big Aquaman fan so that was very cool to see. Do you like, like him as you know? Aquaman? Because yeah, he, I think that he, he throws trash in the ocean, man. It's like he's Aquaman <laughs> and he's throwing trash in the ocean. Okay, what but the like they, he already knows how he already knows how much like you know glass isn't gonna hurt anything. He throws a water, <laughs> but he already knows how much stuff is down there. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's so, not, make, uh, no, it's no, not gonna make a difference. I just one bottle. Fuck it. <laughs> Right. Also, too, you know, maybe in his universe, he's already like, you know, uh, cleaned up the big gar yeah. ocean garbage patch, you know, so he's like, yeah, so this is just yeah. flash. It's fine. It's just going to turn into it's just going to turn into more sand at the bottom of the ocean. It's OK. Yeah. It's not like he's thrown, okay. you know, yeah, car okay. yeah. It's, not, it's, it's not like he's throwing car batteries in there or anything, you know, <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I mean, I, I thought I thought that that was like an interesting take on the character because, you know, he was like, oh, I'm. Yeah. emotionally well, brooding they, and they had to do something because they they couldn't make aquaman from like uh super friends yeah well, you know the, the, the old, the old super friends yeah. cartoon yeah, yeah it's you know it's uh tusky i need you to go over here and uh move this giant rock so this whale can get out you know i was like it was always yeah. like you know i did like that character yeah <laughs> yeah but like i mean like i don't know still he's a visually striking character and yeah. i love the fact that like he got the in his own movie he got the like the orange and 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 gold and and green you yeah. know chain mail you know and he got he finally got it he got the big staff you know you get the trident and he's flying around doing stuff that was awesome i love patrick wilson i love jason momoa so it was like really cool to see uh and uh you know i mean the rest of the cast too is just great so i, I don't yeah. know I, I i i'm a big aquaman fan i love uh, uh aquaman is uh definitely in the mix uh starman the jack knight starman from uh the 1990s which if you've never read that diogo i highly recommend it it's this whole series uh but it's 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 one of the best comics ever written and it's pretty okay. self-contained you need to have like a little working knowledge of like you know but they explain most of it right <laughs> um but it's like okay. it's like it's literature it's like high literature it's like you know this like but it's like told in a very relatable and interesting way but it's like uh uh james robinson starman obviously top three and uh jay garrick my my childhood love the first flash golden age flash with the wings on his helmet that is like he was like my i, I saw that as a kid and i was just like that is the coolest thing i've ever seen in my entire life so i'm a <laughs> massive jay garrick fan so But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I just love comics. If you ever want to get into the DC universe, let me know. I got a lot of recommendations. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I <laughs> bet. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I I remember when the death of Superman and came out. I was into that. I bought that. I bought like the different comics afterwards because they have like four different Supermans and who is the real one and stuff like this. <laughs> and, We had that one with Batman who got paraplegic, and we had Azrael uh, subbing yeah, for him. Yeah, and it was night, this night, Batman. Nightfall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like that because he was like this cruel Batman. He would 
like kill people. It was, it was, was weird, but it was dark and <laughs> yeah. it was different. And I, I was into that uh, back then. And I remember yeah, it so, yeah. so long ago. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. In the nineties, you know, they had the, everybody was extreme and cool and, you know, they had the, yeah. the thing, but I, you know, I thought that, I always thought that that costume, that Azrael Batman costume was really neat. And then yeah. um, they did some interesting interesting things with the character later on but yeah that 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 you know it was like i thought that was interesting and i liked i always loved the uh the superboy character i thought that was great i yeah. loved uh you know uh john henry Irons steel you know yeah and that the, was, the, like, with that the, was cool with this two armor was really cool too and i could yeah and he's like he's big like, heavy he's, mallet yeah. half superman half iron man that's a cool character yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and uh you know especially as a kid and then eradicator oh gosh i loved eradicator uh i i was always on the fence i could never tell if i loved this costume or hated this costume yeah but, um i thought he was, a, he was a cool character and then uh of course cyborg superman you know you can't yeah. you can't beat that so um but it was i love how he's a fantastic for uh mr fantastic uh, yeah. uh homage parody yeah. pastiche where yeah, he's like uh, one seems it. like Superman and Terminator together, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, did, did you did you know how he got his uh, the Hank Henshaw character? How he got his powers? No, I, they I forgot. They, they, yeah. They, they, yeah, they were they were like uh, they were like oh yeah, he and his he and his three crewmates uh, broke into a a a science uh. Thing for an experimental rocket and they went out into space it's like literally just a fantastic four origin story but they all <laughs> died and then he the gamma radiation or whatever you know whatever the non-copyrighted version of gamma radiation uh fused him with the ship the experimental ship and that's how he became the uh, cyborg superman so <laughs> uh i was i always loved that as a kid yeah, but just like yeah. really like uh i was just like this is so interesting so yeah <laughs> but anyways yeah i, I love I, I love dc comics yeah that's something i can totally steal for promo quest like aliens fall here and they merge with the ship and the ship is the name oh yeah alive. yeah yeah that can yeah. work for sure well hold uh we are almost reaching two hours again and yeah. time just <laughs> flies by when we are talking and then yeah, you'll about... have to cut a lot of this out, I think. <laughs> yeah, not, nah, not a lot. A lot of interesting stuff and, and, and suggestions and things for to watch and to look for. And we're talking about gaming, gaming ideas. And I think it was very, very productive. Uh, it was completely chaos. I didn't have any any questions prepared. <laughs> uh, but I think it, it worked fine. Uh, do you have any, any last minute weird messages to send out to the weirdos who listen to us? uh on their podcast oh um yeah i just you know uh stay weird uh be true to yourself uh try to eliminate uh you know uh bigotry from your heart be open to everybody and yeah. try to uh try to try to be as as good as you possibly can be yeah. in the area that you are and uh do the best that you can for yourself i guess that would be yeah. my my message to everybody because yeah. there's a lot of uh you know I think a lot of uh, turmoil and hatred in the world, and you just gotta uh, do the best that you can in the area that you are. So yeah, and and, and yeah, be certain that you, we are one another. I am you, you are me. Like we have to treat one another because we are just reflections of different me's. We could be like we feel that thing. Like we we love Pete Holmes, but something he says a lot that if I were that person, I would be that person. So that's it. I. 
if I were you, I would be you. So that's why I have to protect and love you the way you are, because we could we could be that person that we are having some problem with. If we should try to understand them and and and, and welcome them in some way, I think. So, yeah. Exactly. Every every but every person on earth has just as much uh internal thought process internal yeah. like they have uh you know they have uh people that they were raised by they have people in their life that they love they have people in the life that they maybe disagree with and it's like if you if you realize i think that like you know there's um a, a lot of people you know it's hard to remember that as a human being right it's hard to remember yeah. that like everybody on earth has you know and i'm not saying that you should you know, obviously, if someone's doing something wrong, if someone's trying to harm someone else, that's that's completely different. But like, yeah. you know, at a base level, we're all people. And I feel yeah. like, you know, not to not to get too flower child on everybody, but, like, you know, um, uh, I just try to live my life and, and let other people yeah. live their, theirs and, you know, uh, make sure that, you know, I'm doing the best that I can for the people around me and make sure that I'm causing the least amount of harm possible. Um, in the world so but yeah um, totally also uh, uh, I did have that idea about the audio game so if we can get that to work out you can cut this part off if it doesn't work out but uh, I did have uh, I created a uh, an audio game uh, yeah. as, as filler I offered it up to Diogo initially and I was like if you can't if you don't have anything to release here take my game so yeah. I have this uh, diceless audio game that you play where you have uh, uh, you go through and all you need is uh, five fingers or uh, you could have a sheet of paper, but uh, basically you can play it with five fingers and uh, it's a sort of a guessing game uh, where you have to guess a number between one and three. If you guess wrong, uh, the character, uh, you have to put your finger down because the character dies. And uh, there's a lot of secret surprises in there too. So did you get a yeah. chance to listen to it, Diogo? Yeah, I started it, uh, but I couldn't. I didn't finish, and I, I had a, a full day and stuff. But yeah, but, yeah. but, but I listened to yeah. it, and and yeah. we can edit the parts that you said need to change, and I will try yes. to put it at the in the back of the in the end of the episode, too. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So if not, if it doesn't work out, no problem at all. Yeah, I just I have to figure out, out how to is... download the audio too because I I, I don't have the download from youtube stuff but I, I'll, I'll try to figure that I, out I'll, yeah, I'll try i'll try to look it up uh if worse comes to worse i'll try to get in my old computer and <laughs> see okay. if it's still on there <laughs> yeah so yeah but uh awesome yeah. well i i appreciate it. it's always super fun talking to you diogo and i'm yeah, glad that we had a great. chance to have another more informal conversation and um <laughs> always 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 great to speak with you always great to to, to but you know talk to your friends <laughs> <laughs> for sure can you can you can you go out and say as, as the phrase the phrase so uh just say keep it weird yeah, absolutely uh keep it weird thank you for listening to weird games and weirder people if you'd like to keep up with the show please subscribe to be notified when we release new episodes if you'd like to support us, please leave a review or head on to code-fi.com slash WGNWP. See you next time, and remember, weird is the new wonderful.